0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is eleven twenty, two thousand and twenty two. And we're continuing our worship service. We left off uh, where we are now headed to the thought of the week in prayer.
1: Okay, thought of the week. Temple purpose at the title. The temple gives visibility to God when we think of the old Testament sanctuary. God revailed for men for the most part. After God, miraculously freed the Israelites of Egypt. For a short time, they were left alone in the desert without Moses. It wasn't very long before they manufactured a golden calf to represent God and worship it. Man's inclination was to create God for himself using earthly material for uh, worship. Worshipping objects in the sky. How would they come to know this invisible God? What is he like? How can we approach him to learn of him? Questions overflow for sure. And man with his idolatrous ways rush to fill in the blank. God wants to reveal himself. But of course it must be on his terms. God, this vision of how He would accomplish this is given to us in this age. There is a wisdom that has been hidden, and that God has destined for our glory before time began. We are certainly blessed to God to know this private information, and sure, I feel privileged to this. I feel privileged to be the recipient of divine discipline. I feel special to be chosen for God's purposes. However, the secrets of his heart are not for me alone. It is God's will that all creation be the recipient of his glorious plan. This information which was not made known to men in other generations, is now made known to all through Christ and his church. Through his new church in the temple, the secret thoughts of God are no longer secrets. Well, we know this referring to the mystery because it wasn't revealed in the old covenant, but we do not have it revealed in the church. But this was God's special purpose for to give it to us the church, for his individual knowledge so we could know what his intent was. So thank be the glory of God that we have information now. And we can also be instructed by a pastor teacher to, uh, be, so he can teach whoever don't know and do know the secret medical wisdom of God, namely, namely his, his wisdom, that was dedicated to his church. So, at this particular
2: point, we have we have the white give us the prayer. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, Just, I'd like to offer prayer on behalf of the church and us um, ourselves, and also for our families. Are there any specific um, prayers that are um, you would like to be included? Okay. Well, certainly God knows what is on our hearts. Uh, let's come to Him. Let's come before Him in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have to look into Your Word and and um, and seek after its meaning. The things that You have divulged to us are incredible, um, and and the deep things of God You have given to us through your Holy Spirit which we have been baptized. And we pray that we, at the eyes of our hearts would be open, wide open, so that we could see the inheritance that we have and also understand um, the scriptures that apply to us and, um, and also the scriptures that would help us to serve others as well and bring those to uh, not only to the gospel and to salvation, but into all truth. And I pray for a word of truth church. Uh, all of us on the call, and those affiliated with the church, that we will all be filled um, with the Spirit, as as Paul um, suggests, and that we would um, behave accordingly with the motivation of love for God's word and and God's plan. I also pray for the church worldwide, um, those who are being persecuted and those who are growing and have opportunities to grow, um, I pray that all of them would um, have that opportunity to seek you, um, because we know that um, you that, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. We pray for those who are sick, um, those who are not well in any aspect, whether it's by health or finances, or just the struggles that we have on the a day-to-day basis, living in this in this fallen world, I pray and, and, raise, up and uh, raise up the names of people in my heart, and know also raise up the names of people in our hearts of the others on this call, and we pray that we would um, stay focused on your word as is revealed to us, and, um, and give, give our pastor the strength and the wisdom to reveal these things to us. So
0: that we can better understand in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Dave, and thank you, Dwight. Appreciate that. We we will continue. We left off in John chapter 17. <clears throat> this is where we are. We are in a review of John 17. We have a ton of notes, um, and we are going to get through some today. Uh, If you have your notes in John 17, it says, as we have come to the end of this discourse, we have taken time to investigate the words of our Lord. What I find most interesting is this discourse covers a period uh, where we have a dispensational change. Jesus is busy preparing the disciples for this new age. He did not tell everything there was to tell. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. That's John 16:12. Well, Pentecost came, and we did have major change, just as Jesus prophesied. There were many classic verses, and we got a chance to see them up close and personal. More importantly, my prayer is that we were true to the text, in context, and correctly handled the word of truth. Let us look at some of the highlights we discussed in chapter 17. So this is where we, I think we went through all the way down, down, down to John chapter 15 through uh, 17 15 through 19 this is where we are in our outline so just to back up just for a second to john 17 10 through 14 just the these last few uh points 10 11 12 and 13 i have given them your word and we said that was not the mosaic law that which was hid in God, right? That's what that's what we have been given, and that which is hid in God was who is it hidden from? If we were to say, uh, we would have to say from the Mosaic Law, and we don't really have any anything outside or before the Mosaic. Mosaic Law covers from the beginning. That's where Moses in Genesis wrote, "In the beginning." All right, so that's where it, the Mosaic Law speaks to it. So if we have, if it was hidden in God, it, which means that no prophets wrote about it, it was hidden from the, the Old Testament, we should say. What, what we have, when Christ says, I have given them your word, he's talking to the disciples. He's preparing them with information that was not previously known. As I said before, the disciples were dispensationally challenged. Not so much uh, as us. Well, actually, we, there is a measure of that that we have in this age, even though we're in this age firmly. 2,000 years in, there's still a lot of controversy over these things about what God has shown us, that he's hid and now he's revealed, and what is it? And There's a lot of controversy around that. I would think after 2,000 years of church history that we would have a more definitive, foundational understanding of this, but that is not the case. Well, there is a devil out there. (laughs) He's busy. And there is also, I think, a a laziness on the church's part, just like there was for Israel, not understanding their purpose. I think that is also true of the church. So we are not so much different from them, are we? After all. So um, we we need to speak of ourselves collectively like this. Don't say, well, I understand it and others don't. Well, you know what? We're in the church and if there are our brothers and sisters, they reflect on us as well. So point B, this will include the rest of the story as we saw in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, where Jesus says there'll be much more, much more, and that much more is given to us in the epistles that follow. Point uh, number 11, the world has hated them because we are not of the world. Uh, So Jesus is saying that, there's going to be some differences, major differences. One, well, the world always hated Israel because they knew that God's purpose. That's not so much the difference. <clears throat> but even though Israel settled into the world, became a nation, that had its issues, ups and downs, the world knew about Israel. But it says that the world would hate these people, the church. And one thing we find is that uh, even in Romans eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, it talks about that while uh, with reference to the Jews, it says that they would be our enemies, they would hate us. Enemies will hate you. So not only do we have the world hating us, we also have Israel hating us. It's quite interesting to note uh, as we think about how um, we are faring in this world, and then verse. Listen, to me verse. Point number twelve: the world has, it, the word given us is out of this world. And I already quoted First Corinthians two 9, nine through thirteen, which talks about what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard. So we have something that is completely different <clears throat> from what Israel had. It's completely different from what Gentiles have or what they have gleaned, the wisdom of the world, something completely different that we now are being persecuted about. Point number 13. They are not of the world. And how did that happen? Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we finished up last week with those thoughts, but we're going to press on to John chapter 17, Verses 15 through 19. So, in your notes, here we are. First point. Not, well, let's, the first thing is, let me read 15 through 19. John 17. My prayer, this is verse 15, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So that's those are the verses that we are focused on at this point. So point number 1, not that you take them out of the world. So God uses this world to bring us forth. We <clears throat> we have to think about that point for a second here. Is you would wonder when especially as we read 17:5 which says and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. We're, we're looking at this plan where we now have information about through the Spirit of Truth. And <clears throat> we're seeing how we came about. How did God accomplish this plan where they would receive glory as a result of it? To talk about glory before the universe was created, is to refer to a plan to create the universe and that God had specific goals that he wanted to achieve out of this creation. So the thought then would then go to, how are we associated with that? And we now see that God has hidden this plan and did not reveal it to anybody until Pentecost, right? Well, Christ introduced it as he is doing in this chapter. And this discourse, let's say. So now we know we're a part of the plan as we've gotten a lot of, uh, we've gone through the verses, we've seen how it is that the disciples are chosen for this specific purpose. We now know that they are the foundation of the church. And all of that, and how they fit in, how we fit in, right? And so we are realizing that God uses this world and all of Adam and all of Israel, everything that got us to this point where now God is calling out those many sons in the glory. So we're here for a purpose. We're not just here to be saved. Uh, I know that sounds... Counter to a lot of what theologies out there today, their whole purpose is to get people saved. We are not here just to get saved, even though God does recognize that we are saved. That isn't a, a momentous event in our lives. I don't want to, just like birth is. And, you know, we would not want to talk about. Oh, my birth wasn't that. Didn't it? Really wasn't anything. But yeah, it was everything for me. Because I wouldn't have been here otherwise. So birth and the new birth do matter. But none of that really has to do with us. It has to do with Adam, who got us into the bad news. And it has to do with Christ, who got us and, and rectified that. And, but now he is able to call many sons into glory through Christ. Now, this does speak of us. This does talk about what is our destiny, uh, what is our calling, uh, what does God need us to be doing and thinking about while we're here. All of that matters. He brought us forward. This is this is this point point number one in this section. He brought us through the world so that he could bring us forth. So I don't. I'm hoping you see my point in this. It's, I've, hopefully I brought it out before and hopefully I'm articulating what I'm trying to say to you is God used human history to bring us forward. Now, if you think about that, that is to say we came a long way. If I were to quote a scripture that makes me think of this, I would quote Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, where it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Now, who's Paul talking to when he says that? Really, first of all, he's talking to the whole world. That's, everybody is born in sin. Everybody is, there's none righteous. Everybody's condemned. I could go on, but he's, the whole world, this is true for the whole world, but it's also true for those Paul is talking about there to the Ephesians. He says, yes, you came about the same way everybody else did, except, you were special why were you special because you had a calling over your life and this special calling let's read ephesians 2 1 through 3 again so we could see paul's point there as for you what do you mean you because we said the whole world well you meaning you particular ones who were chosen in christ You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them. Notice, we were there. We had the same experience as them, but we're not the same as them. All of us lived among them them who's them the people in the world who were lost but what about us are we different from them nope we lived we were in the world the same as them yeah that's what he's saying i'm hoping you're seeing the distinction that paul is making here he's not it's not the same distinction that he made in in romans when he says there is none righteous not even one there is none who do good not even one it's not the same distinction he made there that he's making here Hopefully you're seeing that. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thought, l- thoughts, like the rest. The rest of who? Humanity. See, so can we be distinguished from the rest of humanity? Yes, we can. We were by nature deserving of wrath. There was nothing different about us, but there was something very different about us. But let's read further and, and he tells us, but but because of his great love for us, that love, remember we learned what that meant? When the love is on that side, is that God chose us. That he specifically put this responsibility upon us. That this is a blessing, right? This is, but, but the blessing we already know equals responsibility but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy. Now, the mercy speaks of, he knows we're in the helpless condition. That's how we got there. He he certainly understands that. And so mercy speaks to him rectifying that. Made us alive. Notice, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up, with Christ. This is not happening for anybody else in human history but us in this age. Raised us up, seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, and order that in the coming ages. He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So that distinguishes that's the one point. We can't keep going over that thought, but it is Reflective of what I'm, I want to bring out in the highlights here. <clears throat> okay, so one, one now a the process of bringing many sons into glory through this world is necessary, right? God gives us the same process of salvation is the same in every age, but He talks about. You might say in Ephesians one, right? You might say, well, how do you get saved? Well, I can refer you to Ephesians 1, 13. Ephesians 1.13 is not really talking about salvation, even though it is. Because the door of how we get to this new calling is about uh, bringing us to that calling. How do we get to that? Through the door of salvation. So watch, the, look at verse 12. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also, he, so Paul is talking about, he's the first generation. They were just talking about those who were predestined, right? According to the plan of him and works out everything to the conformity of his will, right? He's talking about us in the church. He chose us in Christ. How did it happen in time? Because we went back all the way from eternity past to talk about how he chose us. We were blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We were adopted. All of that happened before time began. But then he brings it down to the time in which we live. He says, and you also were included in Christ. when you." Now notice, the subject here is not salvation. It's not. It's about you being included in Christ. This is the most important story to tell. So he says, you were included in Christ. And then he goes and tells you what? Salvation. But for us... What happens after salvation is completely different. And what happened in eternity past is completely different. It's like us coming home. So here he says, You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit wasn't promised like this until... uh, You know, this was Pentecost here we're talking about. This is uniqueness of what the Spirit brought and and the assets that made us who we are. So I say the assets, but the person of the Holy Spirit who makes us who we are in his ministries. We were included in Christ. That's how it happened. Even though salvation is mentioned there and people use all of this for salvation, it's not about salvation at all. It's about this new life, this new calling. Yeah, he used human history to do it. Yes, we came through Adam, but that is not the story about who we are. Now, we are not to allow what happened in Adam to taint us, to, to, to dissuade us from our calling. We're supposed to say, okay, that's how we got here. Yeah, that's consequential. But what is really the important factor here is the fact that we're here and that this is God's plan and we understand it now and God the Holy Spirit has made it clear to us. And like like the Apostle Paul, this is what we teach, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit, cons- comparing spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words, says 1 Corinthians 2.13. So we, we have this. <clears throat> so even though we read Ephesians 1.13-14, yeah, it gives us a pretty good description of how salvation happens, but it also, that's not the subject. Just be sure you know that, right? Let's keep going. Point number two, they are not of the world. Who's they? (laughs) Those same people we've been talking about. When Jesus, right now he's talking about the disciples, but we're included in that because of verse 20, which we didn't get to yet in 1720. So they are not of the world. So I I remember I borrowed some of these things from the notes that we went over to talk about not of the world. So let's go over these quickly. So you already know we're not of this world. We were thought about before the world began. The world was created in order to bring us forth. So are we of the world? No, we're of that plan. We're of that thought that God had before time began. That's where we, we come from. That's where we belong. But God used the world to bring us forth. The world could be used or looked at as the womb to bring us forth. Because out, you know, here we are, but we are not of the world. You could say we're not of the womb anymore. We were, as I said, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but that is not who we are anymore. Do we see ourselves? in this world, or do we see ourselves from what God called us to? I would say we we don't. We don't separate ourselves unto what God has shown us now. We haven't made full circle. In other words, we're making part of the circle, but we need to continue drawing those lines so that it meets the other end of where we started. We're missing something here if we don't see ourselves as separated from the world. Let's look at some of the reasons here. We're not of the world because of the baptism of the Spirit, which is what we already know, the results of which are spoken of in John 17, 20, and 21. And I hope you see that being not of the world Is because of this mechanical operation of the Holy Spirit we call the baptism of the Spirit. This is how it happened. He took us out of Adam, and he's united us to Christ. So some people are still in Adam, but you know what? Christ provided redemption for Adam's race, but it's still a choice people have to make. So there are some people in Adam who are lost. And some people who were saved, but now in Christ, right? There is no in Adam anymore, right? But until after the Church Age leaves is over, but prior to this, the people who were saved were in Adam. That's why people who are saved in the Old Testament are still are categorized as there were Jews and Gentiles, but of those Jews and Gentiles, they were still in Adam; they could be saved. Or they could be lost. Depends on what they thought about the gospel. After the church age is over, what do we go back to? Jews and Gentiles. And what is the dividing factor? Whether they believe in Christ or not. But even if they believe in Christ, they're not in Christ. They're not out of Adam in the Christ. This is after the church age and the tribulation and so forth and the millennium. They're in Adam. But they have salvation so there's a difference just being in Christ is part of who we are as part of our destiny is part of what God called us to but it's a distinction when so the fact that he took us out of Adam already seals the deal on the fact that we're not in this world I don't know it seals the deal that's not what I really want to say but it, it tells the story of why we're not in this world anymore. Because we're not a part of Adam anymore. The baptism of the Spirit did it. It took us out of Adam. It didn't just take us from the, the negative of what people consider as the negative parts of Adam, and that is the sin nature. Right? When people talk about this baptism of the Spirit, they only think about, well, yeah, it took us out of sin. And it's true. Adam's race was fallen. That is true. But that is not the only consideration when we think about it. Adam's race was the first creation of man. It's not just the fact that it's fallen. It's the first creation of man. And for God to create another race of people, which we call the new creation in Christ, there's something different. So the fact that people before Christ came, they weren't in Christ and after Christ leaves, they're not in Christ because this is, the only designation for this is what God planned from before time began. He planned this for us. He used human history and what does he do? He stopped human history, he stopped the prophecy clock so that it doesn't continue along the same lines He stopped all that, and he's now calling out those many sons in the glory. What's going to happen the moment we leave? The prophecy clock starts ticking again. So it's almost like he says, I'm going to use human history. I'm going to call out those many sons in the glory. I'm going to hide the information about them so nobody knows about them before it's time to reveal it. And then it's going to be the big reveal, like people do when they're having a baby, right? they say, oh, we're going to have this huge reveal party. And, and depending on the color of whatever it is, is the, the sex of the baby, the gender. And, well, the reveal, right, is now God is allowing us to know about this information. But then we will be revealed to the world at a later date. So the baptism of spirit took us out of Adam. That's the most important thing to remember here. Point B, not of the world, because I have given them your word. That's John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Why? For they are not of the world any more than I am not of it. And So that part of it is the information that we have about ourselves, it's not just that he gave us the word, like the word, what what does that say? It's, we had the word in the Old Testament, but this word is what distinguishes us from the world. The things we think about are not of this world. And obviously we have the spirit, right, who sanctifies us, who sets us apart by means of the truth. And what is it? Your word is truth. We didn't get to that scripture yet so much, but... But the thought here is the information that pertains to us distinguishes us from those in this world. That is that included is Israel and even all the other saved people. You know, some people have it in their theology that once we're all saved, we'll just be one big happy family. And I would imagine generally speaking, that's true. But not specifically speaking because God has called us to something different. We are not part of that big happy family because we are united to the person of Christ and Christ is united to the other members of the Trinity who are God. So we're not talking about three gods. There's one God, but three persons who possess the divine nature. So in all of this, we are separate and distinct from them At the same time, we could also identify with them because we know we came through the same things they came through, except God chose us in him before the creation of the world. He didn't choose everybody, but he chose us. So it distinguishes us. So uh, the word identifies that. And I would say that the word is clear to identify that. It is not fuzzy, as some would make it, right? There are direct statements of scripture that tell us, oh, this is not revealed to those in the Old Testament, not even to the sons of God, those who were believers. They didn't know anything about who we are in Christ. They didn't know anything about in Christ at all. They knew about a Messiah to come and give redemption as a substitutionary sacrifice for them, but they did not know about what happens after, what God's intentions were before time began. They didn't know, it was hidden. We now know, this is the word, and we're putting it all together. Although some haven't, it is upon us, if they haven't, to if we can, to share with them the uniqueness of who we are in Christ. It is upon us. If we know it, then if you 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 are made aware of this and you understand it and you are reveling in it, how gr- glorious it is. Then figure out a way to tell somebody about it, some some one of your fellow believers, your those who you rub shoulders with. Let's go to point C. Not of the world. We do not belong to this world. John fifteen nineteen. There's some. Quite a lot of scriptures. Let's read it. John 15 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. (laughs) I just want to make sure we're not just talking about people who are saved. I I think I've covered that. I just want to make sure you understand the tenor, right? The atmosphere in which the scripture is talking it understands that and so when you read that even a little pronoun could distinguish you right right. so so notice 19 if you belong to the world it would love you as its own as it is you do not belong to the world but i have chosen you out of the world now this is even before pentecost came The, the, the disciples are just the disciples they're still israelites at this point But because Jesus has chosen them, he's telling them this, and he's already making a distinction about who they are. Because I've chosen you, that's it. Now, why did I choose you? Well, the Father told me to choose you, and I did what the Father said, and now that's why you are not of this world. Just think about us who are baptized by the Spirit. They didn't even get the baptism of the Spirit yet, but they would. He says, remember what I told you. Your servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. Yeah. We don't belong. That's point C. Point D, we're not of this world. We were chosen out of this world. That's the same verse. Verse 19. Yeah. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. How did we, when did that choosing happen? That happened before time began, before the world was created. Ephesians 1, 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Yeah. That's when it happened. Point D. We were chosen out of the world. I think we already just covered that. Point E. Not of the world we should be. We should be mission-oriented. The fact that we are not of this world and this whole thing has to dawn upon us through the spirit of truth, that we should be mission-oriented. That's how, that should be our attitude in this. And so one is John 17, 18, helps us understand these a little better. It says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Notice that. So Christ had a mission when he was here. He knew. He didn't just show up and say, hmm, I guess I'm here. Let me see what I could do. What are other people doing? Let me look around. No, he knew when he got his feet on the ground. and He understood what he, who he was and what he was here to do. He understood. He understood. He had a mission to accomplish. He says, just like I'm here, I'm sending them into the world. They have a mission. We're here for a purpose. We have to come to understand who we are in Christ. right? That's more important than us running around uh, not fully understanding that. If we don't understand that purpose, we're not going to be able to help people in this age come to the realization of why God called them if we don't know why God called us. So we used to say, people, we used to kind of make fun of people when they would say, well, we're called. And we would, we would say, called to what? And, you know, they would have some, some uh, hesitance and, well, not quite sure. We would make fun of them, but we would, we would make fun of the point that anybody could say they're called. Right. Just called does not mean that's the end of the story. That's just the beginning. You should be saying called to what? What are you called? And don't say late to dinner. Don't, don't call me late to dinner. Don't say that joke. This called has to do with, goes back to the mystery and what God did before time began, but hid it from all Old Testament folks, but now has made it known to us. And this is why the world hates you, and this is why you're not of the world, right? This goes back to the whole thing we've been talking about. We ought to be mission-oriented. Philippians 3:20, Philippians 3:20 says, um, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ." So, what's happening in this world? All the things, the politics. The, the goings-on, the social norms and standards, what people in the world think, right? There's a whole thing about what's going on in the world. But we now have our understanding of who we are. And it says our citizenship, our rights, our privileges, or who we are is not from here. It's from heaven. It's, it, that's where we belong. And what's going to be the next event for us? Christ is going to come and get us and he's going to take us there. That's what we call also the rapture. So we, we should have that mindset, that mentality, that way of thinking in this world. That's how we ought to approach things with this mindset. Point F, not of this world. Do not love the world. It will not love you. We already... Know a lot about what it says in John, First uh, John two fifteen through seventeen. Uh, I could read it with this in mind. First John two fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. Wow, John, that's pretty. That's pretty detailed. I don't know if we've ever thought about that, what he's saying here, because we came from the world. But he's saying that we need to be so transformed in our thinking that we don't love the world anymore. So he just comes right out and says it. Don't love the world. If you do, it shows that you don't understand your eternal purpose or the Father's eternal purpose. So if the Father has an eternal purpose, so do you. You just maybe maybe don't understand it. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever or abides forever. What do we mean as, with reference to the world? The world's not going to be here forever. It's going to pass away. It's going to be over. But we will survive this world. And we should be storing up treasures, as Jesus said, for where we're going to be, not here, not in this world, which is going to pass away. Don't love the world. Point G. We're not of the world because the evils of this world are not a reflection uh, of the church, on the church. Just remember, yes, we live in this world. Don't claim it. right? Understand that you're not of this world and know that the evils here do not represent you. They represent the world and the ruler of this world, but not you. We don't have to defend the world. We don't have to make excuses for the world. We can know that this world is not our home. It's not a reflection on us or Christ. And that's our relationship to the world. So point H, not of this world, let's be clear. We are not here to reform the world, but to help save lost souls. We can't fix it. We can see problems, yes. And we might you might even say, Well, I even know the solution to the problem. But doesn't mean that that's what God is trying to do while we're here is that we fix things, that we see problems, identify problems, and fix them. Our job is clear. Just like Christ's job was clear. You can say, Well, what was Christ's view on this? What was his view on that? Well, he was mission-oriented. He did not get involved in all of those things. He was focused on what the Father wanted him to do. And thank God, because he accomplished it. And he did a wonderful job. So that we have his, his example to walk in those steps. So we're not here to reform the world. It is not about making the United States the bastion of Christianity, That is not the goal, but God is telling us to go out and be ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation. We have a job to do here. Let's focus on that job and to come to the full knowledge of the truth, right? To connect that full circle all the way around so we know what God did from eternity past. What was the plan? We should understand that. First Corinthians nine twenty-three, what does that say? So let's see. It says, I do all this <clears throat> for the sake of the gospel that I might I may share in its blessings. This is the apostle Paul telling us that there are there's some good that we can bring. He says, to the Jew, to this, to the that, the one who is a Gentile, I, I'm, I'm, I will, doesn't matter. My goal is to preach the gospel to whoever's in front of me, if I can, if they will allow me to. And so that, I, and he, he says, I do all this to share in the blessings of the gospel, right? Seeing people saved, coming to the knowledge of the truth, is its own joy within itself being able to watch people be transformed into his image is a joy so all by itself it has built-in rewards for us to save souls point number 3 like let's move on let's keep it going even as so Uh, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Why is Christ not of the world? Wasn't he born here, is my question. Uh, Sure, he was. Christ lived in this world. He was born in this world, but he's no longer a part of what's going on down here. He's the last Adam. He's the progenitor of a new creation of people who are just like him, just like This first creation is about the first Adam and who he was and what he was. The last is about this new creation, the man from heaven, so so to speak. Yes, Christ was born here. He came through this creation as well. Part of his coming through the creation was to uh, provide salvation for Adam's lost race, which he did perfectly. He balanced everything that Adam lost uh, spiritual death, unrighteousness, sin nature, condemnation all those things reversed, and now he is he has brought um, this new creation on board. So, so what we are identified this is a good point we are identified with Christ in his death, he is not we don't we are not identified with Christ through the baptism of the spirit when he was a boy or when he was born into this world it is in his death after he left that is speaks of his separation and our death speaks of our separation from this world and adam not just our separation from this world but our separation from adam as well so there's a lot more that could be said there. I think we did say it, hopefully, when we covered these verses. But if not, it just shows the everlasting flow of information that continues to, to, to build our, our wisdom and knowledge. So this is um, this is point A. He was born here, John 1, 1, 1 through 3, but also 14, which says, and the word became flesh and that speaks of, <coughs> of the Incarnation, excuse me it speaks of the Incarnation, which is the most amazing thing that has happened since the creation of the world, the fact that God was able to take the person of God was able to take a human body and be a man just like we are, but without sin. Well, that is an amazing feat, an accomplishment, but one that was definitely needed in order for us to be identified with him and who he is as the man from heaven. Point B, yes, that was when the person took a human nature, <clears throat> when his person took a human nature, the person of Christ always existed as God and never had a beginning as we already said from John 1, 1 through 3. And we already covered in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five through 49. Hopefully you remember that those scriptures where it, it talks about Adam and it talks about Christ. But notice, there's one thing about these scriptures that I'd like to just say, from 45 to 49 in 1 Corinthians 15. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust. Now, what I'd like to, for you to just look at here in these verses, 1545 through 49, <clears throat> is Paul does not talk about Adam's spiritual death. See see he's not, it's not the what is bad about Adam. He's in fact in these verses he didn't say anything that's bad about Adam. But guess what? The fact that we're not in Adam is the point here. It's the distinction that is made. Look, we're different. Obviously. The two Adams were different. We are different. Let's keep re- let me just read it again just so you can kind of read it what that mind said. So it is written, this is verse 45, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. It didn't say nothing about an Adam. I know it says earlier, "All oh, die, and there's a point to be made there. But here, it's just talking about Adam and the race of Adam, the human race, that is, which we all were a part of. 40, that's 46 now. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. And as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. Nothing bad. That's just the way it is. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. Notice there are two definite classes of creation here. The creation in the first man, the creation of the second man. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man. Hey, we were there. We were there. So shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. That's where we are right now. What a way to teach it, Paul. I love it. I love it. So let's keep going though. Point C. If this does not seem real to us. right? If it does not seem real to us. It means this that we have not fully heeded the verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I just offer this for this? This is uh, Romans twelve two. Can I offer that this is the only way that you can rightly orient to life in Christ? Because being conformed to the pattern of this world is Adam. is is the whole life and lifestyle of Adam. That's the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That can only come by the spirit of truth who is given to us to help us understand the things that God has prepared for those who who. Who love him, because it is a matter of coming to know God before you'll come to know who you are. Yeah, these are very, very uh, clear declarations of how we get out from under Adam. It is a matter of our thinking. God did the heavy work. He did the mechanics already. He took us out of Adam and put us in put us in Christ, but now. What about our thinking? We still got old programming. We have to get rid of the old programming and be transformed by the spirit of truth. This is what Jesus said. I got much more to tell you. More than you can now bear. Yeah. So, point number four. We'll go for a couple more points. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, We got to spend a little time here because this is where we get the, the name of our church. Word is truth. Christian church is where we took it from. Why? Because that is how we should be identified in this world. By the truth. Well, when we say that, and we already know what truth we're talking about. We're not talking about the Mosaic Law. We're talking about this new truth that is on board, that Christ began to reveal, this new dispensation that is dawning. So when we're, if we're to be set apart by means of that truth, well, it has nothing to do with this world, does it? That's why Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So it's by the truth. Your word is truth. Completing that circle is orienting to who you are in Christ. God is expecting you while living in this world to renew your mind, to be transformed. Even while we're here, we just came out of Adam, but now we understand the eternal purpose of God. And we got to renew our minds with that thinking so that we, are set apart for, for God's special purposes. That God can use us in this world as witnesses to his eternal purpose. And not just for for the people in this world, but for angels. Now when you look at it, um, Ephesians chapter 6, just, th- just think about it. No, Ephesians 3 first, where he says, and we're going to have to close after these points because... We didn't get too far. But we're, on, we're getting there, hopefully. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse eight, verse 8, Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now look at this. If you match that, okay, oh, who's these rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms? That's angels. And what is this? According to his eternal purpose, verse 11, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is his eternal purpose. As I say, it goes back. God used human history, uh, the whole creation of all things, in order to accomplish his eternal purpose in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, But in Ephesians 6, it tells us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and so forth. So, angels, rulers, all these people are seeing the Father's eternal purpose. They're getting a chance to see what God's eternal purpose is. And how are they seeing it? Through the church. How, how, how can we show them that? Because we are to be sanctified. By means of this truth. What does it mean to be sanctified? To be set apart. Our lives are to be set apart unto this truth. And the word is truth. So the spirit focuses on the word of God and sets us apart unto that for God's eternal purpose. There's a lot more that could be said here. And we will say more next week, since this is our am or mater, mater, right? This is where we came from. But we need to make sure that we see it, so that we can orient to it. We could, God is saying, this is how people should be able to distinguish us. It's by means of this truth. Is this the way people distinguish us? I hope so. I hope so. But I can't say that that is the case. I can only tell you what God wants. That's how he wants. That's why he says the world will hate us. Oh, he said, don't be surprised at hating me first. It's, you're not going to fit in down here. Because you don't fit in down here. It's not who you are. You're not of the world. So next week we'll we'll talk more about this. We We covered a few points here. I think... Uh, We'll pick up speed here. Uh, Maybe not. Uh, I think we do have a few more notes in this outline to get to. Some thoughts. So, But we will continue with this thought next week. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had this morning to review our lives and what we are doing here. Thank you for this discourse which has given us not just the perspective that we have, but the perspective between the Father and the Son. We can see what the air up there is like as we think about the verses and how he has destined our, these things for our glory before time began. Father, we thank each person that is here. We, we ask, we thank you that you brought them and you, that you put it in their hearts to come to learn these important things about who we are in Christ so that we can perform just as we were destined to perform, that we would be sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. So we we ask as we close, Father, you will continue to, to give us wisdom as we look at the verses that are before us, that we will come to the full knowledge of the truth so that we can fulfill the destiny for which you, you called us from eternity past. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. 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 Amen.